Hello and welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor and my co-host is the DJ and we both hope you're managing to survive the quarantine. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh no, DJ's sick. I'm going to get a computer virus. <laughs> oh, 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 quick, give me a patch. No. Damn it, you. <laughs> then I will be the only podcaster and I will have unlimited power. <laughs> No man cannot have this power. How are you dealing with this corona craziness, by the way? I'm handling it quite well so far. Unfortunately, my work hasn't uh, gone to full quarantine yet, so I'm still having to get up and face the uh, face the traffic <laughs> as much as it is. But um, actually, the traffic was really bad today, like as bad as it normally would be. I guess um, people are coming back from interstate since they uh, they just closed the the borders the other day. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> now people are fleeing, which is pretty sad. Yeah, I mean they're letting you in if you've got a good reason to be in. Like you live there, you have medical reasons, you work there, but you can't go traveling. The uh, campsites are closed too, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and people are still panic buying. Really, my Audi's yep. been uh, pretty stocked up, but I suppose you're a, you're the checkout chick, so you'd know if it was. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing: it, it, first, it was tissue, toilet paper. Now it's alcohol. <laughs> well, if you're going to be stuck alone for two weeks, you've got to have your quarantining. Actually, don't do that because it's actually not uh, good for your immune system. <laughs> Which is insane. I'm thinking, like, wow, are they really that desperate? for alcohol now <laughs> you live in australia we're like the most alcoholic country on the planet <laughs> it's anyway. gone to the it's gone to the point now funnily enough that there are new restrictions on uh, on a couple of shops in um, western australia apparently yeah it doesn't surprise me anyway <laughs> uh first topic for tonight is drm eternal did you come up with that dj yep <laughs> you are killing it hey thank you so thank you Bethesda have managed to bugger up the release of Doom Eternal by including the unprotected version of the XE in the release on the Bethesda store which made it incredibly easy to crack because the the game was protected by the Nuvo which has been known as reasonably difficult to crack but only if you don't have a completely unprotected XE. And this isn't even the first time they've done that. They did it a year ago with Rage 2. Yeah, I heard about that. And, but then that fizzled out, though. Like, Rage 2? What's Rage 2? No one no one, yeah. no one, cares. Well, sucks. No one cares what Rage 2 is. All that hard work kind of gone to waste. But yep. they, uh, like the whole point of having DRM, what, what developers often say is that they just want to stop you pirating the game for a few weeks or a month because the majority of their sales come in that period. And Denuvo even advertises that even a few days make a difference. Yeah, but the problem is, though, like... Like, pirates will, will wait until it gets cracked. I mean, there are people in countries who can't afford these games, so pirating will never go away. It won't. And I believe that, um, you know, it's my personal belief that piracy is more of a service issue than a 
than any other kind of issue because a lot of developers reckon that they actually have a, a benefit from having a store like Steam. People will pirate less if they can buy your game for a reasonable price on Steam. It's when they can't play a demo or go have to go and drag themselves out to the shops that they pirate. Yeah, yeah. it's like the war on pirating that they claim on. It's, it's like the war on drugs. You're never going to win. It's like you're never going to stop people using drugs because people will always love the drugs they have. So Yeah, yeah you're never going to do it. But as long as you're not completely misguided, you can yeah. have an impact on it. As long as whatever's going on at Bethesda doesn't happen, <laughs> is it someone internal going rogue? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this makes it like this whole incident, it, it, this makes Bethesda as a whole, like when even when they're not making a game, <laughs> they'll screw it up for everyone. Like this makes Bethesda Bethesda. Let's admit it. Yeah. Is it a, um, so is it a rogue employee at Bethesda or maybe at id? I'd assume Bethesda because I don't think Rage was a an id game. Nah. Uh, Rage, Actually, mean, Rage, I think Rage was an id game, yeah. Yeah, actually, now I think you might be right. Yes, it was an id game. Id and Avalanche Software Studio, yeah. sorry. Funnily enough, it's uh, that Google search just brought me to Steam where it's 70% off right now. It's a one-year-old game at full price for $100, currently selling for only $30. That's going to be... In case you're uh, lucky enough to still have your job at the moment. <laughs> hey, it's not funny. What is funny is Centrelink's incompetence. Oh. What's more incompetence? Centrelink uh, coming out and saying we're being hacked when it's not being hacked. It's just that several hundred thousand people have just lost their jobs. Or Bethesda releasing their games without DRM. Mm, what do you mean? What is worse or what is better? You, you mean? Either. What is worse is Centrelink um, screwing up. What is better is Bethesda. Because this is because think about it. This is a happy little accident, as Bob Ross would say. Man, you're going full storm man there. <laughs> Next you'll be chanting slogans and waving EFF flags. <laughs> But uh, but here's the thing though, like this this thing, it 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 it's a pirate's like dream come true. This whole incident, it's a pirate's dream come true. Of course it is. Although I wonder how much did they pay? How much did Bethesda and it pay for Denuvo though? That's a good question. Uh, nobody actually tells how much they spend on that. It's all under NDA, but it's a lot. Hmm. So they've spent a lot of money on a service that they've completely thrown away. Yeah. But it's now, now. But then here's the thing with Bethesda, though. Like now that with this mistake, like it comes, it just goes to show. Like, is there anything they do now that is not riddled with a bug? Well, I haven't heard of any major bugs in Doom Eternal. I mean, they're still right. They're still trying to fix up Fallout seventy six. Well, that's different. That's Bethesda, the developer. Doom is a game published by Bethesda. Yeah. I bet you you tried to crack the um, de Nuvo, haven't you? No, I haven't. That is way beyond me. <laughs> you don't just crack the Nuvo. Although I did see, I, I have um, been hearing some people on Reddit and Reset Era have put um, directions on how to do it, though. Yeah, of course they have. Like, as soon as there's a crack available, everyone knows it. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, ultimately, this is a feel-good story. I mean, we need more games to be launched for Denuvo, to be honest. Yeah, it's not, um, like, there are allegations that it 
causes slowdowns. Like basically, um, any DRM will affect your performance. It just matters whether it's noticeable. So there's some debate about whether it actually does affect your performance significantly or not. And I think it must come down to the implementation and whether it's um, something like if it does the checks during a loading screen where you're not going to notice it, or if you um, if you happen to like check every time the character swings his sword, everyone's going to notice that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what do you have for us tonight, DJ? Um, I have some announce anime um announcements now that um spring is upon us. Not really, not really spring in Australia, but in um uh, in Japan. Southern hemisphere, that- best hemisphere. <laughs> so there's some um, new animes that's cu- uh, anime news that's been coming out. So we've got, uh, for example, Tower of God. Uh, My life is villainous. All roots lead to doom. The Eighth Son, Are You Kidding Me? Food Wars, The Fifth Plate, um, and the usual, like, One Piece and uh, My Hero Academia. So those are some of the spring anime announcements. Um, Other other than the the biggest one that came out the last few weeks was um, the anime series Bleach with the um, final manga arc called The Thousand Year Blood War Arc, which is now going, going to be receiving an anime adaptation this year and a lot of people are really hyped for it so how long has bleach been running now 20 years took their time <laughs> well the manga was well the manga itself uh, is a very uh, is a very interesting story in, in a way that so they so the final arc was basically um the shonen jump the publisher was saying hey we need one more we need one more big arc because everyone loves this ma- manga series and so taite kubo the um was it david went, page <laughs> Say, yeah. give me more yep <laughs> give me more so taite kubo just went all right i will give you more and so he releases this thousand thousand year blood war arc and the manga was going well until Shonen Jump went, all right, wrap it up, wrap it up, guys. <laughs> and so Kubo just went, okay, I'll wrap it up. And he hastily ended the series. So is this bringing it back to give it a proper ending? Or is this the original uh, ending? Bring, I think it's bringing it back to give a proper ending. Yeah, yeah. Because the way that the anime originally ended was basically, yes, I will um, continue to be the guardian of this of this of the town that I'm assigned to. That was the anime ending. But yeah. But um the reactions to the as I said earlier on the reactions to it has been um full of confidence. So Taito Kubo for example, uh he wrote saying it's been so much time probably almost everyone forgot about it and actually I also forgot. I thought the thousand year blood war arc wouldn't be animated, so I didn't expect the animation project in this 20th anniversary. Wow, sounds like he's talking about the release of Black Mesa. <laughs> so yeah, um, for those who are not familiar with the Thousand Year Blood Arc, so it's basically, um, it talks about a war between the Soul Reapers, um, who are basically um, Grim Reapers of uh, Grim Reapers versus a, fat, a group of people known as the Quincy's. And they both are different in terms of the way they do things. Like um, Soul Reapers, for example, they cleanse the soul. While Quincy's, for example, they are they just destroy, 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 basically. 
But yeah, it's a very complex. It's a very complex story and one that people would look would be looking forward to. So, what other news do we have? Um, another anime series that's also re- been releasing um, some anime is uh, Fate Grand Order. They've also announced that um, there's a new series coming out called New Solomon, and this will be adopting. Sorry, I'm looking to it. Adopting or adapting? They are ad- adapting. Sorry. So confirmed on the Twitter account behind the uh, series, Faith, Faith Granddaughter Babylonia's final episode teased a final singularity. And so the episode, te- which was beginning to take, sh- take shape, we're beginning to head to the Temple of, Temple of Time, Solomon. So there's going to be an anime series called Faith Granddaughter, Final Singularity, The Grand Temple of Time, Solomon. That's a bit of a mouthful. How are yep. they going to fit that on the marquee at the cinema? <laughs> Oh, it'd be a From Star Wars, they just put Star Wars up (laughs) because the full Uh, title was like the Star Wars Episode 6 Return of the Jedi or New Hope, whatever it is. Yep. And also, uh, Fate Grand Order also um, announced that they'll be also coming up with a movie which is called Fate Grand Order, the movie Divine Realm of the Round Table, Camelot Wandering, Arta Terragam. I know they they have long titles. I know. <laughs> so yeah, there there are some. Like, um, ser- how long until someone publishes a a thing where the entire script is in the title? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think there. I, I think I can think of um an anime series that's the longest anime series. Second, the longest anime series title. There has to be a long one. Uh, longest title ever. Oh, this ought to be... F- oh, I think I found it. <laughs> um, uh, Ga- it's Okay, so the manga is called Gan Otoka Maho Sekai Ni Tenshi Shitara Gendai Hekai Di Guntai Haram No. I'm not going to pronounce that last bit. No. <laughs> so it translates to... When a gun nerd is in- reincarnated to a magic world, he established the Haram army with modern weapons. So that's just the, the synopsis. No, that, that's the that's the title. It's the synopsis as the title. I think so, but <laughs> oh god! But yeah, um, with the final, with well, back to the Bleach uh, manga. Um, the other interesting thing with the Bleach, um, with the final arc is basically you get to. Exp- explore the various key characters into the story and the some of the and some of the backstories about how how they got the powers and how what's the origin of their um swords and whatnot so it's a good series to check out i might have to do that if i uh if i go to quarantine yep oh and uh a word of warning for you professor if you do start watching bleach yeah avoid the fillers because they can go long very long yeah, that's what I don't get about TV. Like, British series have, like, six episodes, and it's all really tight and put together. American series go for ten minimum, and Doctor Who leans that way these days too, but um, they go for ten, and they tend to have more filler. But then anime. <laughs> it's like 15 or 16 episodes later, you're like, are we still on filler yet? No. <laughs> What, there's a main quest? <laughs> like, this is basically just playing Skyrim and forgetting about the plot. 
<laughs> well, so well, there are theories on why they have fillers, and my own theory is basically they've got they're too close to them. They've got no like material to animate because the, what they do is like the most of the anime series they they follow the manga, and when the man when the anime hits too close to the manga in terms of story, they would go ah oh, crap. Okay, we gotta do filler to try and hope the anime gets a bit ahead so the people can have time to animate and whatnot. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they're, like, you can't make any major changes or you'll ruin the plot. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the movie. Was it maybe Aragon? They uh, basically made a change and killed off a major character from the rest of the series or something. I, oh, dude. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah. Um, the only, the one anime series that was... Now that you mention it, there was an anime series that done it before, and that was um, Full Metal Alchemist. What they did, the first version of Full Metal Alchemist was um, they changed the they were too they were too close to the manga, so Full Metal Alchemist animators decided to change this to make it an ending basically, and the animators so they made the ending, and the animators went, um, "What do you think of the ending to the manga guys?" The manga guys are okay, cool you stuff and we'll def- we'll um do our own ending in our own way so then they've made full metal alchemist brotherhood and their ending is totally different to the first version once the manga en- once the um manga ended oh cool so it's like game of thrones <laughs> is the original full metal alchemist considered a bit shit oh it's good the full metal- the first full metal alchemist is good but it's good for different reasons but uh, I don't know. I, it's hard to compare between Fulmer Alchemist. But they don't and, completely run it into the ground in the last season, do they? Oh, oh you, you mean like if we subverted your expectations? <laughs> no. With uh, Game of Thrones, I think the um, the consensus is that the ending makes sense. How they get there doesn't. Oh, the one thing that really cheesed me off about the the Game of Thrones final season was the whole Jon Snow is the chosen one, yet he doesn't do anything. Like, what was the point of bringing him back? I mean, you could just as easily be talking about Captain Jack in the season of Doctor Who. Yeah. Bring him back for like a two minute scene where it's just like, don't let the bad guy have the thing. And then in the episode where the bad guy's after the thing, the doctor's just like, cool, you can have it. <laughs> oh, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very weird. It's, it's very weird how, um, they give the game of Thrones, but yeah, we're kind of going, we're going, getting yes, ourselves into a tangent. So let's move on. Yep. So our next topic is about coronavirus. And while well, you've all just left the, uh, the recording because you're sick of hearing about it. So this one article actually is about the origin of coronavirus. So there's conspiracy theories that coronavirus escaped, or at least COVID-19, COVID SARS-CoV-2, whatever you want to call it, but the particular pandemic we're in right now was started by a genetically engineered virus from a bioweapons lab. But the journal Nature Medicine has compared the genome sequence for SARS-CoV-2 and other known coronavirus strains, and they reckon that there's no evidence of it being a man-made disease. And I'm inclined to believe them because I'm seeing a lot of um, like 
excerpts out of textbooks and articles from 10 or 20 years ago that basically say, yeah, there's a pretty decent chance of another epidemic starting there because of the proximity to wildlife and that uh, there's already been the first SARS came out of the same region, I believe. Although it's very interesting how people still don't, even though there is no evidence to say that this virus was lamb was not um, made in lab or other or engineered people are still saying like oh it's still a still a thing. conspiracy i mean people still believe the queen is a lizard person <laughs> and we have evidence that she's not because one of her children has coronavirus oh yes <laughs> coronavirus wouldn't affect lizards it only transmits between mammals Mm-hmm. As far as I know. If I'm wrong, please tell me. <laughs> but there's a lot of misinformation going around about coronavirus at the moment. So I'm hoping this article will see some spread and people will be able to, it will help allay people's fears that China developed it as a weapon. I'm seeing um, this article is interesting. They're saying this evidence for natural evolution was supported by data on SARS CoV 2's backbone. It's a original overall molecular structure, and they're saying basically that the SARS-CoV-2 backbone differed substantially from those already known as coronaviruses and mostly resembled related viruses found in bats and pangolins. Pangolins, yeah. So the reason for that is that the changes in the coronavirus are things that are tied to other features in the virus that are seen in the wild. Yeah. So the two theories that the um, the scientists are going with are that it developed in a non-human host, probably bats or pangolins, and then transmitted to a human host, which is how most novel diseases appear. So AIDS, for example, is widely believed to have uh, arisen in monkeys and yeah. or in some sort of ape and being transmitted to humans through eating contaminated meat. Hmm. That's true, yeah. The interesting bit is uh, SARS-CoV-2 is most similar to bat coronaviruses, but there are no prior cases of bat-to-human transmission. The other theory is that a non-pathogenic version of the virus transmitted to humans and then developed into a pathogenic form. So that would mean that a virus that is relatively harmless, transmitted to humans, became incredibly dangerous and then began transmitting worldwide. So basically we've got, so one one um, scenario is basically he got accident, what, the person must have been accidentally bitten by an animal and did not know about it. And the other scenario is basically he touched a, he touched a friendly creature and the friendly ki- creature bit him and... I don't think there would be any biting involved because mm. coronavirus is um, spread through... Yeah, or if, if not airborne, it's spread through uh, saliva droplets in the atmosphere. Hmm. Uh, I like how this, um, and one of the lines is also, the, um, the study co-author cautioned that it is difficult, if not impossible to know at this point, which of the scenarios is most likely. Yes, and it doesn't make a whole lot of difference because life isn't plaguing. In plaguing... You develop a new feature for your virus or disease, and it immediately appears in every carrier worldwide. That's not how viruses work in real life. Even if a mild coronavirus transmitted to humans and evolved a deadly form, which is became COVID-19, that initial host of deadly COVID-19, for want of a better term, 
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, is still needs to transmit it to everyone else who has now got COVID nineteen. Yeah, but it does also. But here's the thing, though: like, if you were to put this to the modern media, the modern media will will say, like, okay, um. We'll make it. We'll air it out that the cause of this COVID problem is people touching wild animals. And well, that's the cause. It's exposure to wild animals. If you lived in a in a box all day, you wouldn't get sick. Yeah. But by being exposed to animals, in this case, the uh, believed source is the wet markets where wild animals are brought in for sale. You become exposed to the virus from being exposed to an animal in the market. Yeah. So most new diseases that you get from animals will appear either in the in border cities up against, say, a forest or bushland and then spread in. Or in this case, because they brought the animals in to eat them or for, to make medicine. That's how it got into the city. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's interesting. You also mentioned it about the it, it won't it won't make a sense, but um, uh, they said here if the SARS-CoV two um entered humans in its current pathogenic form from an animal source, it raises the probability of future outbreaks as the illness causing strain of the virus could still be uh, circulating in the animal population. It might once again jump into humans. Okay, that's true, but I think at this point, you know, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. I think the um I think the virus is going to pass around humans for quite a while. Yeah. I think it's going to be harder to eradicate than people really think because so many cases are asymptomatic and it has such a long incubation time. Yeah. I mean, it depends on a, on a couple of other factors, like for example, um, the, the climate of the of the location, the um, the health status of the individual prior to being infected, um, the state of the of, of the state of the creature that has the virus um, prior to being infected. Like there are myriad there are myriad of um, factors involved. Yeah, it also depends on how virulent the disease is. Yeah. So something like Ebola, which is incredibly deadly, will kill off most of its host before it can spread. Something like coronavirus, which only has a, a death rate over a percent, will um, and a, a couple of weeks of incubation time is able to spread much more efficiently. But this is a bit uh, depressing. So Although, let's move yeah. on. What game are you playing, DJ? Um, I've been playing BDSM. DJ, this is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> well, no, not that BDSM. <laughs> I mean, big drunk satanic massacre. And what does that mean? Um, it's basically a shoot 'em up game from top from the top down, and you get to play as one of the de- devil's kids, and you shoot you shoot interesting things, basically. This, ca- this well, game. Well, the artwork looks like it's a parody of Doom. Yep, it's um, it, it came out three days ago. Funnily enough, <laughs> makes sense. 
Yep. So this is a demo version, though, unfortunately. But um, you can get the the full game for nine dollars eighty four on Steam. But basically, it's not this expensive is demos often anymore. Yeah, they're a dime a dozen. But yeah, uh, so basically, I said you don't see them anymore. And you said they're a dime a dozen. Yeah, you know what that means, right? As in, there's lots of them. We have uh, got to get that English chip fixed up. Yep, you're the worst and- robot. <laughs> No, it's the virus that's getting to me. Dang, virus. <laughs> anyway, so the story is basically hell's infected with the coronavirus. Cor- corona, well, they call it the coronavirus. They call it the corona panic. So and it's, up, and it's your job to clean up hell, basically. So why does coronavirus turn people into doom guy? Uh, I think it's just, um, uh, it's just parodying. So it's just like Wait, the powerful. Is that the guy from Family Guy? Yep. Wow, this is just a Unity asset flow. I think it is. <laughs> like, I thought maybe the uh, Doom Guy model was original, but now I'm not even sure. <laughs> yeah, the, so there are some interesting um, concept, interesting parts of this game. Like, the level design looks really cool, nonetheless. Um, you do have to earn some in-game currency as well to purchase... To purchase um, perks and weapons, and you also get a rage filter as well, which power, which is basically you just fire a you just fire a beam, and you can control where it goes. Yeah, I'm not even sure how much of this is original assets, <laughs> but you know, if it's fun, it's fun. Yeah. But like the big issue with Unity asset flips is every damn infinite runner, uh, most of the top-down shooters. Basically, games that are just made to make a quick buck. Yeah, this yeah, it's a it's a good distraction. But bloody hell, the the concept is hilariously interesting, yeah. though. Like, it's possible to make a good asset flip game. Like, um, getting over it with Bennett Foddy was, I think, made in almost entirely or entirely out of assets from store like Unity store and stuff because the um he was himself aping a style he called B games which is uh getting over it is based on a flash game called sexy hiking <laughs> which itself had very simple like paint art and a bit like stuff that had been cropped out of clip art and stuff. Hmm. I think I've seen this game before. I remember those yeah I've seen them um... how have you not seen like Everyone's seen getting over it. I've seen, uh, I've, I've seen this game. Um, my, I've seen Mark the Pilot play this game, and he just went absolutely nuts over this game. Yeah, the speedruns are pretty impressive too. <laughs> so I've been taking the other perspective, and I've been playing a bit of Doom Three. <laughs> no, actually, DJ, how many points do you give for my game? Satanic Massacre. <laughs> I would give. Um, I would give this one a. I'll give this one a three. Okay. Yep. So I've been playing Doom 3. Oh, nice. is the sort of survival horror sequel to Doom 1 and 2, which at the time upset a lot of people because it wasn't Doom 1 and 2. The things they tried to... It's like Alien and Aliens. Alien is incredibly tense horror. Aliens is action, except they went the other way around. Mm-hmm. Doom is action, fast, double barrel shotgun. Doom 3 is slow paced, survival, crawl through a vent and hide from the monster while crying and pissing your pants. <laughs> it just, I'm, 
they didn't pull it off. Like, Aliens pulled off the generous shift, Doom 3 didn't. So I reckon Doom 3 is actually a pretty uh, pretty good game, but it's not what anyone expected, so that's why nobody liked it. Yeah, the annoying thing with Doom 3 when I first played was you have to try and, like, trying to carry a gun and the torchlight is impossible. Not anymore. I, uh, I'm playing BFG Edition, which oh. fixes that. So oh, shortly nice. after Doom 3 came out, there was a mod called the Duct Tape mod, because the idea was, you're Doom guy, why would you not tape a gun to your, a torch to your gun? So then, um, then for the re-release of Doom 3 as part of the BFG Edition in 2010, I think, they decided mm-hmm. to make that a part of the game. And there's Finally. some debate about it because, um, like, the original has the torch. Uh, it's a game mechanic, having to switch from your torch to the gun. Yeah. It yeah. takes the control of the situation away from you. Yeah. So it kind of comes up with two different games. What What did you thought of the, um, the creature design and the... Um... And the I, level design. I think the creatures aren't as iconic as Doom 1 and 2. Like, the Kako Demon in Doom 3 yeah. is missing something. So I think Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal have actually... Like, the reason they're so popular among Doom fans is that they copy the... Um, they take the action and fast pace of Doom 1 and 2 and work it into what you'd expect from a modern shooter. Just like Black Mesa is everything about Half-Life 1 worked into a modern shooter, or at least a modern-feeling shooter, because it doesn't have regenerating health, um, no endless DLC, no Battle Royale mode. Yeah. But yeah, so I think the uh, the monster design in just isn't iconic like in Doom 1 and 2. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy the story? I'm enjoying it so far. It's, um, you know, it's kind of generic. Yeah, yeah. What's the, uh, besides the monster design, what was, what's the other big flaw you've encountered in Doom 3? Well, I think Doom 3, um, I, I think the graphics don't hold up very well in general. The original game came out in, I think, 2006, and there are games from around then that I remember looking a lot better than this does. Yeah. If I, um, because I, I think I played this a while, 2004 this came out actually. 2004. Okay. So maybe I'm being a bit unfair. Yeah. Yeah. This used to be very, very dark. Like is not uh, thematically, not only thematically, but also like, surround, like gameplay wise, it was just dark. You can't see, you can't see stuff basically. Yeah. Like the, to- like I liked how they also tried to em- put an emphasis on you got to use the torch. Uh, you got to use the torch. You got to use the torch. But yeah, the, like I said, I found it more annoying because I had to shoot a, shoot a monster while carrying a torch. It's very frustrating. So yeah, it's yeah. definitely um, about taking control away from you. Yeah, which is great in a horror game. Not great in a fast-paced run-and-gun action game. Yeah, uh, I still give it uh, yeah three and a half out of five. Okay. So, for our shout-outs this week, we have the death of Al Warden. Al Warden was a manned pilot for the Apollo 15 mission. He's one of only 24 people to have flown to the moon and was called the most isolated man on Earth during the time that he was uh, far side of the moon. So, so does that mean he gets to play Mr. Lonely? No, he gets to play Pink Floyd. Ah. Oh. 
Yes, but he took the uh, first deep space EVA, which is why he's regarded as being further away than, say, um, any of the other Apollo command module pilots. So he died at 88 in Texas. I love that place that he died in, though. Sugarland, Texas. Yes, on the 18th of March, 2020, in Sugarland, Texas. <laughs> Next up, on the same day, the Asteronius Maastrichtensis tensis is the oldest definitive species of modern bird, and DJ was calling it the ancient turducken. <laughs> turducken is a dish involving a chicken stuffed into a duck stuffed into turkey but in this case it's called that because it's well, it represents a common ancestor of modern birds it's also known as wonder chicken <laughs> so this bird uh lived between 66.8 uh 66.7 million years ago so the um uh, does it say here dj where they found um i'm assuming in the netherlands because it's called Maastrichtensis. They don't say where they found it, but um, hang on a second. Uh, oh, here you go. The fossil skull was found in limestone limestone quarry near the border between Belgium and the Netherlands in northern Europe, hidden with a seemingly nondescript piece of rock. Okay, makes sense. And on the twentieth of March, twenty twenty, Kenny Rogers played his last hand and died in Georgia at the age of eighty one. That's Georgia, US, not Georgia, south of Russia. (laughs) And on the 24th of March, 2020, Albert Uderzo passed away. Albert was the creator or co-creator of Asterix, the comic about a couple of French guys who happened to drink some magic potion and go around beating up the Romans. (laughs) Good times, good times. Yes, they're classic books. I like the uh, French culture minister's um, tribute to him. Yes, the French culture minister, Frank Reister, said that Udozo found the magic potion, referring to his spirit, craftsmanship, and long hours of work. So Albert died at 92 in Neuilly, Sussex. And for remembrances, we have on the 23rd of March, 1981, Beatrice Tinsley, the British-born New Zealand astronomer and cosmologist. Professor of Astronomy at Yale. She made fundamental contributions to the understanding of how galaxies grow and die, and collaborated on research into investigating whether the universe is closed or open. She was the first female professor at Yale and submitted her last paper 10 days before her death. She died of cancer at 40 in Connecticut. And on the 23rd of March, 2000, we have Margaret Ursula Jones, the English archaeologist who is known for excavations at Mucking in Essex. Mucking was a major Anglo-Saxon settlement. They found uh, finds from the Stone Age period there. She directed the excavation from 1965 to 1978, which it became Britain's largest ever archaeological exp- excavation. She was described as indomitable, formidable, disinclined to suffer fools, but very kind to those she considered worth helping, dedicated and inventive. She died at 84. And on the 23rd of March, 2007, Cohen, known for his proofs at the continuum hypothesis and the axiom of choice are independent from Zumelo Frankel set theory, for which he is awarded a Fields Medal. Uh, this mathematics stuff, uh, like Cohen's work, kind of goes a bit over my head, but yeah. I just like saying all the funny names that they have. <laughs> so in 1985, he said that people, he've had the feeling people thought the problem of the continuum hypothesis was hopeless, since there was no way of constructing models of set theory. 
They thought you had to be slightly crazy to think about it. <laughs> Paul died at 72 in California. And we have another remembrance. Patrick George Troughton. Uh, sorry, a birthday. Patrick George Troughton on the 25th of March, 1920. He was the English actor who played the second Doctor. The 25th of March would have been his 100th birthday. At the beginning of World War II, he tried to come home to New York on a ship which hit a sea mine and sank off the coast. He survived on a lifeboat, so he joined the Navy <laughs> and had some decent success, took out a few uh, Kriegsmarine e-boats and was known for wearing a tea cosy on his when the weather was cold. <laughs> That's one great survival story. <laughs> yep. So um, his death also fits in because on the 27th of March, 1987, he passed away at 67. He traveled to a science fiction convention in the US and unfortunately passed away due to so uh, other birthdays. And Cedric Gibbons on the 23rd of March, 1890. He was in the film industry from the 30s to the 50s. He designed the Oscar statuette, but left the sculpting to George Stanley, a Los Angeles artist. He was one of the original 36 founding members of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, and he was nominated 39 times for Oscar and won 11. Interesting the- fact about Cedric Gibbons: he was um, he did part he did some um, art decor stuff for the movie Ben Hur. So on the 23rd of March, Daniel Bovet was born. He was a Swiss-born Italian pharmacologist who won the 1957 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for discovering drugs that block specific neurotransmitters. He also discovered antihistamines, which are used for treating allergies. He also researched chemotherapy, sulfur drugs, the sympathetic nervous system, pharmacology of cura, a cura and other curare and other yeah. neuropharmacological interests. In 1965, he led a team which concluded that smoking tobacco increased users' intelligence. The object of his research was not to create geniuses, but only to put the less endowed individual in a position to reach a satisfactory mental and intellectual development. <laughs> I bet he must be regretting what he said right now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who funded that research and whether it was... Um, one of the tobacco companies. Uh, it would definitely be a tobacco company thing because back then, tobacco companies were everything. Yeah, the tobacco companies weren't too happy their cash cap cut off. Mm-hmm. On the 23rd of March, 1920, Betty Nesmith Graham was born. She was an American typist, commercial artist, and inventor of liquid paper, not to be confused with White Owl. <laughs> she was also the mother of uh, Smith the monkeys. So she realized while she was painting that an artist never uh, never erases their work, but paints over the error. So she put some uh, paint in a bottle and took a brush to the office and used it to correct her mistakes. She began marketing liquid paper as Mistake Out in 1956, but it changed the name when she began her own company. She was born in Texas. Not many people the- use liquid paper anymore, hey? No, there's not much use for it with computers. I think it's probably less important now um, to make any design you want on a computer, just print it out. Mm-hmm. So on the 23rd of March, 1801, Tsar Paul I of Russia was struck by a sword, strangled, and then trampled to death inside his bedroom at St. Michael's Castle. Ouch. Yeah. So his assassinate, assassins wanted him to sign his abdication after they'd gotten drunk and burst into his room. 
And when he fought back, they hit him with, strangled him, and then trapped him, which is not a pleasant way to go. His son, the 23-year-old Alexander, was in the palace at the time of the killing. And General Zubov announced that the heir was now the, the Tsar and said, time to grow up. Go and draw. All right, mate, pull your finger out. Get up there. <laughs> no, no pressure, mate. No. budget. <laughs> we should do that to our current politicians. Like, imagine, like, <laughs> you get a new prime minister. Imagine just go up there and go, all right, mate, get, go up there. Time to rule. <laughs> go up there. Get on with it. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I don't know. Alexander I did not punish the assassins of his father. And the court physician, James Wiley, declared apoplexy the cause of death. I guess this poor guy was really unpopular. <laughs> uh-huh. On the 23rd of March, 1888, the English Football League met for the first time. They are the world's oldest professional association football league. They considered the name Association Football Union and decided that that was too close to Rugby Football Union. So how, um, if there was already a Rugby Football Union. Right. I assume that would be rugby union. But how is then the league the oldest uh, association? You, how is that the oldest association? Yeah, like the rugby I football union is older. I think it's more of the um, the uh, football union as in soccer union, soccer league. Yes, but there's an older one. Rugby football league union, eh? Yeah, it's still around too. So it's not like it's still running. Yeah, that one was founded in 1870. And not a union? Well, the Rugby Football Union is a governing body for Rugby Union in England. It was founded in 1871. Uh, it promotes and runs the sports, organises international matches for the English national team, and edu- educates and trains players and officials. Okay, and what's the difference between that and the other one? I don't really care that much, so let's keep going. <laughs> On the 23rd of March, 19. 19- NASA launched the Gemini 3, the uh, first U.S. two-man spaceflight carrying Gus Grissom and John Young. So this flight demonstrated they could change their orbit, remain in space for at least two weeks, and work outside the aircraft. They also pioneered rendezvous and docking with other spacecraft, which are all part of the requirements for landing on the moon. So John Young went on to become the first person to make space flights, commanded Apollo 16, walked on the moon and commanded the first shuttle mission. I like the um, primary goal for Gemini 3 was to, we need to make more more maneuverable spacecraft. Yeah, well, considering spacecraft back then, basically just missiles with people on top. They had a, a fair bit of work to do. But that's all of uh, the main topics of tonight. This week, we'd like you to check out the new That's Not Canon project that uh, I've been working on with the Podfather. It's called That's Not COVID, and it's a podcast for people who are getting a bit sick of hearing about coronavirus all the time. It's for only happy things that virus. I'm going to have an episode there soon. The Lone Pine Quarter Sanctuaries Koala Streams, if you uh, need some help determining the kind of tone we're going for. But that's all we have for tonight, so... Anything to add, DJ? Um, well, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, um, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Instagram. Um, all of the details will be posted up on our show notes. And um, see you next week. Look after see yourself. You. Stay hydrated. Look both ways before you cross the road and get that mole checked out. You know who you are. <laughs>
<laughs> and wash your hands. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.